Well, mommy and I dance in the sheets. You can't hear something. You know, you can give him something that 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 at least his brain can kind of can, can like, oh, I okay, I can see mommy and daddy dancing in the sheets, and I came from that. You didn't traumatize him by showing him your blood engorged cock, God, explaining the ejaculate. And you know you don't get that specific. And see, you're you're going, oh my god, you're explaining. No, you're right. You're totally right. Like, why is, what is the difference between than talking about you licking his mom's tits? That's not any different. It's just too graphic, man. I'm Don Hall, and I'm David Himmel, and this is the Literate Apecast. uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe shouldn't listen to it. <laughs> Welcome to a very special episode of the Apecast, where we once again revisit Himmel fumbling through fatherhood like a decapitated baby deer on brand new legs. We have with us tonight, as always, Don Hall, and our very good friend, who we haven't uh, talked to in a while, because he's a prick most of the time. I'm kidding. Uh, welcome back to the show, uh, our good friend, James Ford. Thank you for being here, James. It's hey. so good to see you. Hey, great to see you guys. Thanks thanks again for having me. Really appreciate it. It's great to see you guys. For those fans of the Apecast who don't remember uh, Jed, it's been a while since he's been on, um, but do a better job of listening to old episodes dear listener. Uh, James is a, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, we went to college together. He is a geologist, a musician, and a father, which is why I thought it'd be important to bring him into this conversation because, well, Don's got, because Don, Don, Don's got advice. Because Don has no children, but will speak with great confidence <laughs> right confidence. out of his ass. And that's really my, it's my favorite type of person. I yes. love these. So, so what we have is we have we have two qualified parents of younger children and a man who is smart enough never to procreate. This is the conversation we're about to hear. Jed, you bring up a good point, though, that we need the, the, the Don is the kind of person that you like, somebody who knows nothing, has no point of reference and just talks out of his ass. I think that if TikTok was just filled with Don Halls instead of hot 21 year old girls, I might be into it. You get the hot seat, but whenever I did TikTok, all I get is sort of like the 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 middle aged soccer moms desperately trying to look like they're twenty one years old. Yeah, we got to we got to fix your pervert algorithm there. I guess you know it's like uh, they realizes that I'm I'm uh, an old man and that that looking at twenty one year olds is just unbecoming. I don't know. I'm not lineally Leo DiCaprio. Come on. Here's how far behind I am. I'm just now discovering on Instagram the uh videos of the girls that bounce up and down uh-huh. and then yeah. they're and then all of a sudden it changes to a bikini <laughs> yeah it's it's a cool magic trick it's <laughs> it's sort of like linda carter's wonder woman where she would spin in circles yeah but you know 70s network television wouldn't let her bounce i believe that that i, I read the uh the book it was um what was it what Wonder Woman's Underwire, I think, like the untold story of the Wonder Woman television series. Well, the earlier, even before Wonder Woman, there was uh, there was I Dream of Genie. 
Well, she bounced. Mm-hmm. I mean, her head bounced. She, that gave her head bounce and the she upper had a nice rack. So it did a little jiggle, and she was suddenly in that little, you know. But they couldn't show her navel. They, they. That's why her pants were so high up of her, you know, over her waist because they, they. She was not allowed to show navel on yeah. television. In the that season. was scandalous. It was scandalous. Uh, simpler times. Make America great again. Let's hide the navels. Put the nip. The navel. Show, show the, the navels. navels <laughs> So, so here's, instead of a tube top, everybody's got all the women just have like a, a belly wrap, but no, you know, it's like their tits are out. That I think that's a yeah. So that's a that's not a winning. That's not going to look good. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm dealing with for Christmas. One of Harry's presents was a wall calendar, and you know, Marvel calendar. So it's got like every month has like January has Spider Man. It's all these old clips of the old comics, and then you know, February is the Falcon, and you know, so on. March is, which is Harry's birthday month. Um, it's got Hulk, which he loves because Hulk is, you know, his favorite. So um, cool little calendar. But, you know, on, on the, the number of days, it has the holidays listed. So like January 1st has New Year's Day. Uh, it has Martin Luther King's birthday on there. And this week, or last week, I guess, whenever this, this drops, the week began with uh, Chinese New Year. And Harry, who's learning to read, asked me what these words mean. And he asked what, what that said. And I said, it's Chinese New Year. And he's like, okay, okay, what is that? So I explained to him Chinese New Year. So Probably poorly. Yeah, what was your explanation? How did you do that? Yeah. Uh, well, because well, he was confused. Because he's like, but we just had New Year's. And, this, and I said, well. The Chinese um, are weird. That's no, what said, right? It's, based, it's, it's a lunar New Year. And it's based on a. The, the lunar is like the moon, Harry, and it's based on, on the moon. And it's, they just operate on a different calendar because the Chinese uh, people and culture have been around for a lot longer than, than the calendar we use. Um, so they celebrate this time. And he's like, well, how long do they celebrate? And so it's 15 days celebration. They celebrate with fireworks and they give uh, money for good luck. And basically that's, that was the basic gist of it. And he's, okay, cool, great. So then he looks at the end of the week. And he says, what does that say? And I said, that says Holocaust Remembrance Day. And he says, what's Holocaust Remembrance Day? And before I sat down to explain to him what Holocaust Remembrance Day was, I said to myself, make this simple, make this easy, make it for a four and a half year old, which I didn't do at all. So I said a version of this. That's classic you. Well, Holocaust Remembrance Day, Harry, is when um, a long time ago, there was a, a big war called World War II. And there was a bad country uh, that was Germany. It's not a bad country anymore. Yep. And the, the German army, the Nazis, they rounded up a lot of people that they didn't like, that they thought they were better than, like a lot of Jewish people. And he said, well, Poppy's Jewish, and you know, my, my father. And I said, yeah, like we're, we're Jewish. Yeah, okay, great. I, I don't think I said we're Jewish because we're not. But that was, you know, I, yeah, great. And I said, and they, they killed a lot of people. And he said, well, how did they kill them? Well, uh, sometimes they were shot. Sometimes um, they were worked to death. Sometimes they were, um, they went to take um, uh, like a, a, a shower and I'm starting to trip over myself because 
Harry takes showers every day and I know how the kid's brain works. I know where his brain is going. They would take showers, but instead of water, they'd get gas. And he's like, farts? And I'm like, no, no, not farts, but but like gas that, that kills you. He's like, oh, like from the car. And I said, that's exactly what it is. It's carbon monoxide. That's exactly right. Because at first, that's what they were doing with the gas chambers. They were just backing up trucks and letting the engine run. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> you guys Jesus. knew that. You knew that, yeah. And then the Germans got, they're like, wait, we're Germans. We have, let's figure out a better technology than just running the, the car down. So he's kind of like, okay, that's, that's cool. And he's like, but then he started asking about war. Like, why was there World War II? And what was World War I? And why is war? And I'm doing my best to explain that sometimes countries go to war with each other for land or money or oil, or they just don't like other people. He's like, well, like, like Ukraine and, and Russia, when Russia attacked Ukraine, because Putin is bad. Because he understands this. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, what if we go to war? I said, I don't think we're going to go to war, Harry. But what if, what if Russia gets planes and comes here and drops missiles on us? And he's starting to get very concerned about this. And I'm trying to like, well, it's fine because no one's going to mess with America. We have two big oceans between us. And, huh? and, then you, like, and then you got, then you brought up that no one could really beat America. The Russians couldn't do that because Patrick Swayze would show up with his brother, Martin Sheen. See, this is one of those instances where your, your advice would be very helpful. <laughs> like that is a good, but I, I got into this deep rabbit hole about the, the complexities of war and socioeconomics and genocide. And Harry's just like getting more and more worried. And there's like, okay, well, you know, good night. I try to like give him a fun story before I bounce out of there and hate myself. Story? What's the fun story you tell him then? Let me tell you about oh, a man something about Hannibal Lecter. I mean, what, yeah. the, what are you doing, man? It was something about his, um, his, you know, stuffed animal slothy, like going to uh, outer space on an outer space trip. And then he's like, well, daddy, what if, so he say good night. He's like, but daddy, wait, what if I get shot with lasers? It's like, nah. <clears throat> like Harry, you're not going to get shot with lasers. You're going to get shot with an AR-15. I didn't say that. No, but I was explaining. You know, like the, he's like, well, do you know anybody oh, who's been shot with lasers? I didn't say that. No, I thought it, but I was like, but I caught myself. Like no, that's not the way to go, David. That be a good dad. Wait a minute. Be a that's dad. the way. To, at that moment, that's the moment you went. That's... Oh, that's not the way to go. I mean, you waited till we talked about the gassing. That might be a bridge too far. Yeah. Now, Matt, now, Matt, oh, you know what? The whole AR-15 thing. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to rethink my strategy. It's too dude, much. The horse had left the barn. Yeah, Son, but I didn't want the horse to run the free. The and... used to peel off their faces yeah. and melt <laughs> into puddles at their feet. They could see the puddles. <laughs> and then you told him about Jerry Lewis and Jerry Lewis's aborted film, "The Day the Clown Cried." About the clown oh. that would lead the children into the gas chambers. That he so once he realized he'd gone too far, he 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 benched the movie forever. So I, I finally got Harry calm because I told him that I don't know anybody who's ever been shot with a laser, which is true. <laughs> he's like, but lasers are real. I go, yeah, but they're not they're not used that way. It's fine. So anyway, but I was I'm kicking myself because I like I don't want to necessarily like sugarcoat things for him. I don't want to lie to him. Like I want him to have an understanding of the world, but like, yeah. you know, there's like the first grade lessons of the Holocaust. And then there's the right. so Jen, uh, graduate school you, levels of the Holocaust education. Your daughter, it's your daughter, right? 
Mm-hmm. If your daughter asked you about Holocaust Remembrance Day, how would you, as a responsible and thoughtful parent, yeah. handle that uh, that question? Well, here's wait, but wait is 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 Sammy asking that question today? She's what seven, seven. years old? Yeah, seven. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so I just wonder, like, whatever your answer is, and I wonder if you would apply that same answer to when she was four and a half. But how, yeah, to Don's question, how, how would you answer that question? If Sammy yeah, that? I guess, I mean, now it would be maybe a little bit different because I do try and talk to her the same way you talked at, and I have, you know, maybe not in grotesque detail um, <laughs> with regards to the the biggest mass murder of people in world history. But, uh, um, and, you know, I do want to say I made a joke about faces melting. I just, you know, obviously it's horrible and, not funny, so I apologize if that was ever once. My joke was, I started feeling guilty about that. Yeah, wait until I call Harry and tell him, Hey, ask daddy about Rwanda. I, um, you know, I try and just, you know, I think with somebody Harry's age, it's broad strokes, you know, um. And uh, it was it was a war where you know uh, an entire people were were targeted, and I, I don't know if I'd go into the gory details, you know. I couldn't I, I couldn't stop. Like, <laughs> well, you got to stop. <laughs> you got to check yourself. I would have said I would have said the Holocaust was in a country that was impoverished, and there were lots of poor mm-hmm. people, and then all the rich people happened to be Jewish, and the poor people had a guy that said, "Hey." You should you should have more than you have. So let's let's take over the country, and then as a consequence of that, they just decided to kill all the rich people. Done. But that's not totally Wait, accurate. No, it's not yeah. totally accurate. Four, he's fucking four and a half. Well, that's, but that's putting this idea that like rich people kill poor people. No, that poor poor people kill rich people. Then they do, or they did. Maybe they should do more of it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, how do you no, say this in a positive way, not just talk about melting faces and uh, being gassed? Well, you know, I got lasers on his mind. Part of this, I have to blame on my Jewish education growing up. Fair so, point. like, I mean, ultimately, I think every fifty or seventy podcasts or so, I have to blame my rabbi for something. It just, it's, it's a rhythm. But, but really. You know, the, <laughs> when I was in high school, uh, spring break, my senior year, went to Europe with the choir and orchestra. <clears throat> and our first stop was in Munich. We landed in Munich and we spent a day uh, in Munich. We went to Dachau and I was there. The only other Jewish kid there was MJ Matazar. And we're walking around Dachau and it's, it's, it's moving. It's, a, it's, it's fucking Dachau. But all the other kids were like, beside themselves weeping and just completely rattled by being among this. And MJ and I are just, we're cool. We're cool. And one of the kids came up to us and said, how are you guys not completely bawling your eyes out right now? This happened to your people. And MJ and I looked at each other with this look of, yeah, what's wrong with us? Why are we not a puddle on the ground? (laughs) And we talked about it later. We realized that it's because we grew up with this shit from like first grade on the Holocaust was a part of Sunday school. Like we, we knew about 
the horse. So it's not that it wasn't, we weren't moved by it. It's that like, it, you were desensitized to a certain Yeah, a little extent. desensitized. We're kind of used to it. Well, you know, it's interesting because in, in the book that I wrote about the teaching when I was uh, strippers, guns in the Holocaust Museum, yeah. is actually the name of the book. And that was one of the, because uh, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I was a teacher at that point. I'd read and, and, you know, heard plenty about the Holocaust. It wasn't like I ignored it or, or was sort of sheltered from it. I, you know, I, you know, I read, read about it. I saw, you know, a lot of documentaries, that kind of thing. But uh, I would take these eighth, this groups, groups of eighth graders and I would take them to Washington, D.C. You know, it was like the big D.C. trip. And no, none of the other teachers wanted to fuck with that because <laughs> eighth graders on their own with a couple of chaperones. So it's a little bit of a devil's bargain. But, you know, by the time we'd gone the third time, they had just opened the Holocaust Museum. And I wanted to take the kids to see it. And, you know, I'm trying to be the responsible adult and the kids and we get there and we go in and it's, you know, it's like, wow, it's very austere. And I don't know if you've been to the Holocaust Museum, either one of you, but, it, you know, but all of a sudden I turn the corner and there's a room they have. And it's an all white room with giant, just like probably 15 foot high plexiglass that blocks it off. And then it's just this giant fucking pile of shoes the shoes yeah and i mean i and it was i felt bad for the kids because they didn't get it i yeah. walked around the corner saw those shoes and just collapsed i started crying i couldn't stop and i had to sit down on a little bench and yeah. all the kids are freaking out because they don't know why i'm crying and i don't know how to explain it to them i don't know how to tell them why i'm crying Mm -hmm. So I just cried and a couple of girls sat next to me and they cried, but they didn't know why they were crying. They were crying because I was crying. And then, you know, then we went through the rest of the museum and it, I don't know what it's like now, but there was this entire like series of hallways where it was this story of this junction mm -hmm. boy kind of thing. And by the time we got to the end of the museum and we went out to the, the, the Smithsonian mall, some of the kids seemed to get it they seemed to kind of understand why it hit me um and then they, then it was shock shock to them that i had never been there before and i said well it just opens the first time i've seen it and that's the first time that i had ever encountered something that was actually there you know that was actually mm -hmm. part of that experience and it just floored me but those are eighth graders not four and a half year olds mm. well, time I took, the, the time i took the preschoolers to the holocaust music <laughs> Well, that was a fucking wash. Yeah, what's the, you know, and David, David uh, kind of, not maybe not to answer your question, but just the thought that I had about it, like, I, I've had this conversation with uh, friends whose kids are older than my kid when my, when my daughter was much younger, and, uh, and there is, um, there's the age when they perceive death for what it is, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah. I think it's like five or six or something, you know? Yeah um when they what, what do they what do they call that it's a uh, not corporate reality but like the the sense of finality right mm -hmm. like you have to you don't get that until you get to a certain age yeah um and so probably why harry just kind of kept asking well what about this and then what about mm -hmm. that like he doesn't, he doesn't fully grasp it yet you know yeah i don't know i mean he's he's had not an obsession but he's I feel like he's understood death for a long time. And that, because, you know, we have pictures of our dog, Eddie, who died um, while Katie was pregnant with him. Relative to four and a half years. 
What's Wait, a long time? What's a long time in in I, okay yeah years? Two and a half okay years. So, yeah, that's really not a long time. So I think I think that he. I mean, I, I, I see your your point, Jed. I don't I don't think you're wrong, but I think that Harry has. Uh, he understands the idea that like when you're dead, you're gone. It's it's over. That people can get sick and they could like he's. I think one of the things Jeff's talking about, and I and I I do know that I've done I've read some studies on that, is that children see the world in terms of concrete, and they mm -hmm. don't really have any grasp. They can they can parrot the concept of abstract thought, and the concept of finality and death um, is an abstract thought. You know, until until it's right, you know, until you're experiencing it, it's it's sort of an abstract thought, and kids don't don't really start to grasp abstract thought until like five or six years old. And that's when mm -hmm. that's why it ultimately it's why uh, uh, they don't teach. They don't effectively teach in, in a lot of ways, color and not just color. Cause any kid, you know, at two, even three years old can say that's red and that's blue, but it takes them until they're like five or six before they can say, Oh, that's a shade of blue. That's mm -hmm. blue, but it's lighter blue, and that's a darker blue because they can't, they, they they can't really conceive of that because that is a different kind of. It's so subtle, and I think death is is similar to that. I think spirituality is really similar to that. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, there was a story in at, on NPR uh, a couple days ago. The survey shows a lack of Holocaust awareness in the country that was home to Anne Frank. So. <laughs> A Jewish group that commissioned a survey on Holocaust awareness in the, in the Netherlands said Wednesday that the results show a, quote, a disturbing lack of awareness of key historical facts about the Holocaust, prompting, for calls, prompting calls for better education in the nation that was home to diarist and Frank and her family. So, like, we know this is a problem, like the, peop the, the awareness of the Holocaust, like this is not unique to the Netherlands. It's here in the, in the U.S. And, you know, of course, like the farther we get from big historical moments the less impact they have on the lives of people. But there are some things that people need to know. Like people need to know about Pearl Harbor. They need to know about the Revolutionary War. They need to know about the Holocaust. They need to know about what was that? Uh, I was told never to forget about it. Um, yeah. 9-11? The building, that's it, 9-11. That's the one. So I think that what my brain was doing was like, in this battle with itself of educate, inform, respect the child's brain, uh, be a cool dad who answers his questions. I totally appreciate where you're coming from. I really do. I understand. I understand. But here's where and I... Let's be clear. I'm, I don't, I'm not defending what I did. You know, like... Talk out of my ass. Here's where I talk out of my ass. <laughs> All right, you're ready for me to talk out of my ass and tell you how to parent um, from the perspective of someone who has gracefully never sired children. Um, the thing I would I would say is his greatest frame of reference right now when it comes to any kind of larger cultural movement is Marvel. And if you want yeah. him to understand the Holocaust from his like from his frame of reference, then Genosha. you then you, yeah, you use Marvel and sort of that good and evil and that kind of perspective to to, to kind of frame it for him so that it's yeah. in the worldview he already understands. So Hitler was Thanos, 
and he snapped his finger and six million Jews turned to dust. And then <laughs> mostly Russians, let's be honest, mostly Russians. It wasn't just the Avengers. It was mostly Russians <laughs> and beat Thanos, you know, and that was all. And so what we do is we remember the end game. That's mm -hmm. where and maybe he can kind of get his mind around that. And then instead yeah. of asking about lasers, he could ask about, well, who had the shield? Who was Captain America? Well, you or Infinity tell. Stones or whatever. Yeah. That was, that was, that was uh, Eisenhower, you know, Dwight B. Eisenhower. Oh, I got you. Yeah. You know, I mean, you mm -hmm. can put it in, but, it, but putting it in perspective of what he already currently kind of is enveloped in is yeah. good. And so then when he does get old enough to actually ask the real questions, He's already got sort of a, a an embedded frame of reference for it, and that would be my talking out of my ass. So parent through allegory, well, yeah, is the better way to go. So like when he comes home with girl problems, let's say when he's you know twelve years old, I give him a copy of the Dark <laughs> Phoenix, and I'm like, this will explain women to you. Is that yes? No. Yeah, okay. No. What I would say is, <laughs> if he says, "Daddy, how are babies made?" What the bad idea is to say, well, this is my penis, and it fills <laughs> blood. Well, hold on. Oh, God. This is my God. And your mother's vagina gets lubricated with her own uh, natural juices, and then I place uh, in the friction. You're not going to do that, because that's ridiculous. What you're going to say is, well, mommy and I dance in the sheets. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You can give him something that... That that at least his brain can kind of can, can like oh I okay I can see mommy and daddy dancing in the sheets and I came from that you didn't traumatize him by showing him your blood engorged cock God explaining the ejaculate and you know you don't get that specific and see so you're you're going oh my God you're explaining no you're right you're totally right like, why is That's what is the difference between than talking about you licking his mom's tits? That's not any different. It's just too graphic, man. I guess you're right. Like showing my kid my engorged penis is the same as, as talking about, yeah, dead Jews stacked up on top of each other in a ditch. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I, it's right there in the same category. Yeah. It's the same. I'm oddly turned on now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going can to cancel my OnlyFans account and just. How many stacked Schindler's bodies can you fit Facebook. inside an engorged penis? Ooh. See, that's a. If Carrie asks that question, you better have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that engorged penis a black penis? No, the answer. Or a white is, penis. The answer is as many as Spider Man can carry. Done. Very good. Has there been any questions that, that your kid has, has presented to you, Jed, where you're just like, I, I, I can't answer this right now. Or I don't know what to say. Or you, like me, like you ran the car into a ditch, set it on fire and just roasted marshmallows on it. Yeah. I, you know, I, <laughs> we haven't talked, uh, I mean, Holocaust specifically, but she's very interested <laughs> in Jewish culture. And uh, has asked me about like Hanukkah and stuff. And she has mm -hmm. some Jewish friends at school and she gets them little Hanukkah cards and stuff, you know, and, and the, they always appreciate that. But like anything else, um, you know, maybe it's because like questions like why do 
why have you and mom always lived apart? <laughs> Which is always a oh. fun one. That's so a, how do you answer that? <laughs> how do you answer that? Because I, I imagine that that's the answer hard. is different for Sammy than it is for, for me. But like oh, answer, sure, yeah. yeah. Don, no, it's, um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it doesn't work out with people sometimes. And, and, um, and the best way for all of us to be happy is, to, is for us not to live together, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, I just, you know, and that's true. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the truth, you know? You know, and, it, a, and in my, and, and, I, and that's what I, because I think you're absolutely right, because it's vague enough that your explanation of it fits my explanation of why I left my whore wife. So it still fits without the specificity, you know, so I get it. I get it. And in the end, who wants to hear the specifics? Like, you know, I used to do that, you know, with yeah. even with gals that I was dating, like to, to try and seem like a good guy, you know, maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, the ego or whatever. And, and in the end, nobody fucking cares, man. You know? Yeah. I've been telling people have asked me, like, like Katie's asked me this a couple of times, like, you know, because my parents are divorced, you know, what happened? Why did they get divorced? And my answer, and I, this is true. I, I have my, I, I could give you details on things, but you know, ultimately, like, look, I, I don't, I don't know, and I never bothered to ask or get into it with them because it wasn't my relationship. Like, yeah, they were my parents, but it's none of my business. I just, especially because like they got divorced when I was older, so yeah, I wasn't, you know. I just tell people a that little I, kid, but now at the time, because I'm the same as you. Jed is like you know it, it, I wanted everybody I mean I wrote a fucking book that's coming out next month <laughs> well <laughs> yours is a different situation a little bit different. A, yeah. a, little a great bit. story yeah however however what what's going to be interesting is when this book comes out and all the people that I work with that have asked me if I was ever married and I say yes and they say yeah <laughs> what happened to your wife and I say she died in Vegas because that's what I say I presented myself as a widower it's like and yeah, my wife passed on in Vegas it's the Obi-Wan, it's the Obi-Wan <laughs> lie she did yes right in my in in my worldview while she may not be dead she is dead to me so that's the answer from a certain point of view exactly Exactly. it's it's the obi-wan you know excuse that that vader killed your father anakin fast forward to jedi and luke calls obi-wan on his bullshit he's like what the fuck man and obi-wan's like uh well you know from a certain point of view it's uh, okay <laughs> fine <laughs> fine and i should say i should say and for a hundred bucks that's what happened so just get over yeah. it and what i meant to say what well, nobody cares nobody cares about my shit because it's boring you know I, i'm not applying that to anybody else but there's also well, a degree no, of like of distance to it too about my stuff it's salacious and yeah. it's like reading uh what is it uh prince harry's shit it's like my this is what I love is my mom bought the book. She she felt guilty that she bought the book. And I was like, no, yeah, she guilty. should. She read it. <laughs> but no, she was way into it at the beginning. And then she finished the book and she went, Yeah, I was getting tired of it. He's a whiny little shit. And I was like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but but yeah. people are interested in a I looked down and my cock was exposed, my penis. I won't, I won't in front of my mum. I put my mother's <laughs> perfume on my pubes, and it made me feel funny inside. Suddenly, becomes think, a black beetle. <laughs> I think you guys, you guys are focusing on the wrong, the wrong part of his tragedy. It was, I mean, you know, Prince Harry. Like, we can laugh about it, like, oh, he's a fucking prince. Like, get over your shit. But like, his mom 
did did die. Like that's hard. But the big thing I think when when Charles, when his dad took his nose and you know <laughs> I got your nose and that trauma that was real trauma for him. Like yeah. that's he never got over that because he's got a pretty big nose. How do you get over that? Have it the whole time. Yeah, that's rough. I I don't know how I would get over that. As, I mean, hard as, as hardest parts of my life is I I do I do wonder who's got it worse, Prince Harry or Elon Musk? Because the the trials and tribulations mm, yeah. of the fabulously and ridiculously wealthy, it really does. It concerns me, and I feel mm. for them. I do. I feel for them. And then I think maybe the poor should just kill the rich. And I go, oh, Holocaust Remembrance Day. God, I love America. The Proud Boys have really strict rules about jerking off. What? That's yeah, this, is in, this is in Rolling Stone. The Proud Boys have really strict rules about jerking off. Members of the extremist group are on trial for sedition, giving the public a deeper look into its inner workings. Uh, they have a handbook. And they have a, a like a... a chant or whatever the fuck uh you know this is our religion this is a rule a proud boy may not ejaculate alone more often than once every 30 days if he needs to ejaculate it must be within one yard of a woman with her consent the woman may not be a prostitute the rule also denies an exception for cyber sex with one's wife These are the seditionists. Sounds super straight. Well, it just yeah. sounds. Right. The thing is, this, this is my brain. What the brain fuck? Yeah, right. my brain is exploding. Here's the thing I'm thinking. All I think about is like, okay, so there's a bunch of these guys. They 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 decide <laughs> to call themselves Proud Boys, and one of them, one of them, Bill. Bill says, guys, we really need to have a handbook. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, because, you know, we're the Proud Boys. There's a handbook. We're an organization. We're a club. We need to have. They talk about, you know, like their ethics and they talk, you know, and they're writing together like a group, like six of them. They're writing all this stuff. Like the Founding Fathers. Yeah, you're right. Like the Founding Fathers. They're creating a document. And then Jack. (laughs) Just like Jefferson. Yeah. And and then there's this, this fucking fat turd that sits in the back and never says much. And then Jack says. Can I add something? And that's the whole section on masturbating. And it's like, they just, and I'm sure the other six are just kind of looking at each other like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. All right. Just tell him, just, just humor him. And then they just left it in there. I mean, I can't even conceive why they would put that in a book. That's the craziest shit ever. Are these guys uh, just, are they fanboys of Dr. Strangelove and taking their orders from General Ripper? I mean, I mean, they're trying to conserve their precious bodily fluids. So here's another part of, uh, of these guidelines. Uh, let's see. Um, the document specifies that while individual chapters have plenty of leeway, the movement is fundamentally, quote, about taking our civilization back and rebuilding the patriarchy. Yes, because Which, there was that time there was that time in civilization where men would only ejaculate once every 30 days and only within a yard of a consenting woman because that's back but here's here's a real important thing from that take the, a, a takeaway an important takeaway from that is rebuilding the patriarchy 
what that says is that the future isn't female. The present is female. Like the patriarchy is gone. We did it. We're winning. These idiots, they want it back. It's, it's gone. You can't rebuild what's already there. That's just building on top of it. So like, David, way to go, progressive David, feminists. David, have you ever met a woman? They're the fucking worst. Trust me. I, I read the Dark Phoenix saga. There you go. That's all I'm saying. Your next headline. The doomsday clock moves to 90 seconds to midnight, signaling more peril than ever. That's because Dr. Manhattan is uh, <laughs> walking around naked with his big blue dog. Do you guys know what the doomsday clock is? Yes. Yeah. Are you sure? Let me just... We know Maybe what the doomsday clock is. You don't need to school us. <laughs> the doomsday <laughs> clock, the <laughs> metaphorical measure of challenges to humanity, was reset to 90 seconds before midnight on... This is a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, every January, <laughs> these... Scientists think people, uh, the security yeah, board of the bulletin of atomic scientists. Before you keep going, could you explain to us what January is? Jesus Christ. January, uh, January <laughs> Jones was an actor in, <laughs> in the movie Mad Men, starring Don Draper as uh, Perseus Black. Mm -hmm. uh, but here's one of the reasons. <laughs> so the move. They said that this this 90 second move, um, it's the closest to widespread calamity humanity has ever been judged to be, was largely, though not exclusively, due to the war in Ukraine. I think that these scientists are just putting us on. Ah. <laughs> and that's the show. And, and if you notice, Jen, uh, <laughs> unlike... Your fucking face. Sorry, but no. listeners, you should see... How proud he is. This is a proud boy sitting before us. He's very pleased. No, no proud boys here. Yeah. He's <laughs> no. Jed, work, Jed jerks off way too much to be yeah. a proud boy. But no, the thing is, and Jed, I want to point out that you'll notice that when David is administering the Rorschach, it's sort of like if a psychiatrist holds up the Rorschach and then tells you what it is before you <laughs> actually react to the Rorschach. Right. No, no, no. This is a turtle. This is a turtle. I don't see a turtle. No, it's a turtle. And then you say, okay, it's a turtle, and you move on. So before we go any further, <laughs> and we get your reaction to this, we should just, like, let's put a stake in the ground. I am a bad Rorschacher, and I'm a bad father. Can we, can we all agree Agreed. on this? Okay. Great. I would not so, bad. I would say clumsy. You're, you're too kind. You're too kind. All right, so Rorschach, God. doomsday clock is 90 seconds to midnight, closer than ever. Closer to the peril than ever. <sighs> Let me tell you what to think. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, I think we can move on. The Putin joke kind of tagged that one. Let's move on. <laughs> that was a good joke. All right, guys. Um, so related to the uh, the Proud Boys and their rules around jerking off, uh, this is a great headline in the science section of the Atlantic. Surprise! Snakes have clitorises. Is, is. snakes have clits that's i i that's i don't that's you know here's so that's where the ladies have been keeping i on. i appreciate <laughs> science no i do i appreciate <laughs> science i appreciate scientists <laughs> but there are two things that 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 occur to me when i hear you say that is number one 
somewhere in the world, someone gave some scientists a grant to find whether or not snakes <laughs> have a clit. Mm-hmm. And, and then somewhere there is a group of scientists, maybe two, maybe three, who spent the last, let's just say, two years looking for the snake's clit. And I'm guaranteeing you that the three scientists haven't found their own wives' clits, and they found snake clits. <laughs> James, your reaction? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it sounds like a great use of resources. Um, I'm sure this has some broader, uh, meaning or implications in studying animal biology. Um, maybe highly useful. I mean, what was, I mean, no wonder Medusa was going crazy, man. Jesus. What, what was, what was going through her head? A brush and then a shitload of orgasms. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, this is just fun. Do you guys? Do you, do you guys like candy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Have you ever? Have you ever had sex with candy? Like you know, like whipped cream the nipples, or like put a M and M up her butt and sucked whip, it out whip, or something. Whipped cream is not candy. An M&M. well, okay, so sweet. Sucked an M&M in a bottle. And I mean, we, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, like a Jolly Rancher up the tongue. No, I haven't done that either. But I, could I've, have, I've uh, used. Um, yeah, I've had somebody that wanted to use a uh, long time ago, um, uh, like candy syrups, you know, on mm. skin and body. That's, that's sweet, but it's still not candy. I mean. It'd be like to me. It's like the, the the candy is like, hey, I'm into I'm into BDSM. Could you beat me and whip me with some Twizzlers? That's candy, you know. Oh. and it's kind of yeah. So I kind of like it. Yeah, bludgeon me with a frozen Charleston chew. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You know, well, you know, and then if you really don't like her, you you use a bit of honey, and because those suck. Oh, those things suck. Uh, yeah, there was this one house in our block growing up that always handed out a bit of honey, and fuck. Fuck that house. Yeah. So what's the story? Fuck the house and everyone who lived there. Um, so, you know, M&M's has had like the M&M candy characters and they, the green one, you remember a couple of years ago came out, she had the go-go boots and it was like, ooh, sexy M&M. Ooh. Well, M&M's has now replaced its spokes candies with Maya Rudolph after Tucker Carlson's rants. Tucker Carlson has been losing his shit over these cart <sighs> candies. Fucking candy. Okay, David, I want to back you up, but you're not entirely accurate with the story. A couple of years ago, she they, they had the go-go boots. The go-go boots, right. And then like they... two years ago, they said, no, that's too objectifying, so we're going to put her in sneakers uh-huh. and make her less, you know, and that's sexy. What, that's well, what if... Carlson is upset about, is that they, they have made the sexy Eminem, like the prostitute Eminem, now looks like a soccer mom, and he's very upset. Was that right? Yeah. The shit that this guy said, Carlson declared that Eminems will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous, and that when you're totally turned off, we've achieved equity. 
does he want to get turned on by fucking cartoon candy? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Dave. Like, is that his jerk off once every 30 days? Is that his thing? Is the green M&M? David, have you ever seen Who's Afraid of Roger Rabbit? I dare you to tell me you didn't get a chub. I've never seen Who's Afraid of Roger Rabbit. I did see... Jessica Rabbit is some snatch. I did see Who Framed That's Roger Rabbit, cute. which... That is some, that is that some is way to go. Um, I also did see... Yeah. I did enjoy reading... I did enjoy reading Who's Who Framed Virginia Woolf. That was a great book. Really? No. Putin joke was better. <laughs> Putin joke was better. Number five. Uh, Who Framed Ro Jessica Rabbit was, I mean. Jessica Rabbit was so hot. I think that came out in 89, if I'm not mistaken. 88 or 89, yeah. yeah. Now, if I, were I was a, a nine or ten-year-old boy, yeah. and good God. Yeah. But my question is, if I were a proud boy, was the fact that I was a yard from the movie screen when I ejaculated, does that count? I, I, I don't know. Does the movie screen have? Do you have the the consent of the movie screen? I paid. Then yeah, mm. I think. Well, but it's it can't implicit. be a prostitute. Can't be a prostitute. <laughs> so, right. But yeah, there. They, so M and M's have have pulled the candies, and Maya Rudolph is now the spokesperson. What I think is happening though is that this is a big play for because this is a, a going to the Super Bowl commercial. They've acknowledged like Maya Rudolph's going to be. Super Bowl commercial, like that's the big unveiling, even though the news has already unveiled it, whatever. Um, I think this is, and I really hope this is what it is, that M&M's is like, all right, fuck you, Tucker. We're going to pull this shit and then we're going to like totally lean into giving you shit about this somehow with Maya Rudolph and they're going to bring the the sexy candies back or whatever the fuck. I don't eat M&M's. I mean, it's just not one of my can you don't eat I mean, M&M's? I, mean, I, I mean, I'll eat them if they're here, but I don't buy It's a conscious them. choice to not yeah. eat them. Yes, I don't really buy M&M's. It's not my candy of choice. However, mm. if on the Super Bowl, and I'm not really a football fan, but if on the Super Bowl, Maya Rudolph comes out and starts the commercial, and then all of a sudden you see a facsimile of Tucker Carlson fucking the green M&M and yeah. screaming and then ejaculating like a foot from her, I'll buy M&M's every day. <laughs> right on. All right. Your next headline. This is a good one. Pope criticizes anti-gay laws saying being homosexual is not a crime. Good. It's not, wait, who? The Pope. Pope Francis. Oh, the Pope. The Pope. The Pope says... Uh... Being gay is not a crime. Yeah, being the anti 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 gay laws are are wrong because being homosexual is not a crime. Well, how progressive of him? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't put a lot of stock into that bullshit anyway, but a lot of people do, and so good. I'm glad that they've got somebody semi progressive to look up to. Well, I mean, see, my problem with it is that I think it's 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 his way of covering uh, pedophile mm. sass. That's a good point. They fuck That's little boys, point. and yeah. it's not a crime. That's what he's I, I, li I like Papa Frank. I mean, yeah, like I, <clears throat> I'm not Catholic. Never been Catholic. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the Pope has a lot of carries a lot of weight. 
with what if he says. Were, if you were Catholic and Harry asked about Jesus, you'd show him the passion of the Christ. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is a great point, Don, though. I didn't think about it like that. That's that's a really interesting take, though, as far as, you know, a, a backhanded way of absolving, mm-hmm. you know, heinous fucking shit that's been going on for centuries. Forever. You know. It's a nice, it's a nice dodge. Yeah. It's God it's clever damn, politics. That is yeah. insidious. Well, and I don't I don't know that I, I I want I mean, what the fuck do I know? But like I want to give him more credit than that. I think I think it's an, a really interesting thought. But there is a big faction of the Catholic Church cardinals that don't like how progressive Papa Frank is. They do not like him because of shit like this, because he is kind and progressive and a humanist. And and they prefer to commit crimes in secret rather yeah. than have people tell them, yeah, it's okay if you fuck little boys. Yeah. Yeesh. Hey. All right. Last one this week, guys. Here we go. <laughs> God, I love America. A&W, the root beer? You know the root beer, A&W? Okay. Mm-hmm. A&W is putting pants on its, quote, polarizing mascot, Rudy the Great Root Bear. <laughs> he used to just be a bear in an orange sweater, and then his <clears throat> bear ass. <sighs> God. But they're putting jeans on the motherfucker now. Okay, so... I want to. I just want to point out that earlier we were talking about the very strict rules on "I Dream of Jeannie." <laughs> so her, uh, her, her name. Okay, and then we've gone, we've gone one direction since the seventies. You know where it's like, hey, let's just. And then there's the whole free the nipple movement, all that kind of stuff. And now the 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 the, the general trend of Cartoon mascots is to desexualize them in some way. I mean, Pope Francis did say a bear without pants on is not a crime. He did say that. He also says, yes, the bear does shit in the woods. I was there. I got to see the... What? No, <laughs> go on. <laughs> I got a feeling the bronies are going to be really upset about this. Yeah. Don't I mean, they this, like to fuck ponies? Yeah. Do they fuck ponies or just dress up as, or both? Maybe it's both. I don't, I've never I mean, been a brony, I, I, much like a Catholic. Like, bronies and Catholics to me are the same thing. The thing is, if you're a furry and you <laughs> like to dress up like a bear, a pair of cargo shorts is going to kill your vibe. I mean, this has to be A&W going, this M&M's thing is funny. We're going to do the same shit and let's have fun with this. Let's, let's, yeah. let's. Oh, well, I mean, they're essentially pub. trolling Tucker yeah. Carlson, you know. Yeah, I hope so. God, I hope so. Well, they're also trying to put themselves back on the map. I think whether they, the only A and W's left are with KFC and whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like dude, the only A and W Sparrow, that guy's beef jerky shack, and A and W root beer. That's all, and they're all on roadside <laughs> in Iowa and Indiana. So that's that's all you can find them. The yeah. only A and W stand that I can. Th- think of seeing in the last let's just say 20 years is and I've, I've done some driving through America in the last 20 I've done plenty of driving throughout America in the last 20 years but the only one that I can think of is in Boulder City Nevada and I don't even know if it's still in there Boulder City and there's one in Tonopah and there's one in Tonopah yep way to go Nevada 
Put your fucking pants on, bubbies. I wonder if AW is still pissed at John Mellencamp for stealing their thunder with uh, Tasty Freeze. Wait, is that is that serious beef? No, I don't know. I'm just I, I wonder. Oh, like why he didn't why he didn't name drop AW? Yeah. Sucking on chili dogs. dogs. Outside, Outside the AW. You true. know what? I think that's an Yeah, it's very little, better better lyric. Yeah. It's a good question though. Like, did he want it to be an A and W and he just couldn't fit the syllables in? Yeah. I don't think John Cruder Mellencamp would I don't even think he'd know what a syllable is. Oh. And now. He's gotta have some idea. I mean That's shit, he un- went back and forth on his name. He was John Cougar, then he added Mellencamp, then he went back to John Cougar, then it was John Cougar Mel- All these syllables, all these syllables he said, all these syllables. And now what is is he John Mellencamp now? It's unnecessary John Mellencamp slander by Don. <laughs> it is yeah. it is actually unnecessary. He's he's, he's uh, on our side, I think. I know it, that is unnecessary John Mellencamp uh derision. I think he was pissed that they that I think the record company made him go by John Cougar. Yeah. And uh and he was pissed about that and so he eventually cuz he was John Cougar then John Cougar Mellencamp, but he kept the Cougar in for like, you know, uh Contractual uh, obligations or yes, whatever. Yes. Yeah. And then finally when he went to the same know. reason that A and W is making their bearware pants. It's a it's a last ditch effort at relevance. I mean I think it's funny. I wanna see you know what you could do is like go online to their store and buy all the pantless bear shit. It might be worth <laughs> some money. Like it's gotta be at, at least a, as good an investment as beanie babies. See, the real question is, can scientists find out if Yogi Bear has a vagina? Has a vagina or a clitoris? Think, you know, it's all the, you know, that, that, the whole... Clitoris? Clitoris? What's wrong with me? What clitoris. is it? It's just, you know, it's, it's just sort of like that region is because, you know, you, you never saw Yogi Bear with a, with a like a hanging chad. <laughs> David, do you say Dolores? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, my first thing this week, it's a watch. Don recommended this a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm now into it. I don't think this is a great show, but it's fun. It's Kaleidoscope on the Netflix machine. There you go. Yeah, I mean, just uh, watch it any direction you want. My first thing is also a watch. Um, and there've only been two episodes out. It, there'll be a third one when this drops. Um, but I played the video game, and I love uh, Pedro Pascal. It is on HBO Max, The Last of Us. I didn't. It's one of those things where you don't think they can do the end of the world zombie thing good again ever. It's you just. And this one is uh, is is. I mean, they are. It, it, this is some streamlined storytelling. They're doing a great job. It's gorgeous to look at. It is a really excellent ride. The Last of Us on HBO Max. Jed, what you got for us? Cool. Yeah, I've been meaning to check that out. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think uh, more people. I, I find myself uh, in a in a cribbage, uh, desolate landscape. Um, <laughs> Nobody knows how to play cribbage anymore. And uh, I learned I from my grandparents and my grandparents' friends. And 
it's a it's a, a you know a, a counting kind of game you know there's a little bit of light math involved but it's cards and, and pegs on a pegboard and uh i've been teaching my daughter and uh we have a blast at doing that and uh i think more people should know how to play cribbage it's fun fun game I'm gonna the get whole family my, get my hoil out and i'm gonna learn the rules and then i'm gonna play it with my dad there you go i like it awesome when i'm in denver next you'll teach me to play cribbage you will teach me to play cribbage sure okay a little enthusiasm would have been nice but that's fine dude hell yes god i'm needy (laughs) all right um this is like we might need to talk about more on another episode of the apecast because this is i was surprised that the headline was david brooks and not don hall (laughs) oh wow Ooh. This is in this is in the Atlantic. It just it feels very contrarian, and it's it's an interesting story. Uh, read it for yourself. Despite everything you think you know, America is on the right track. Yes, America's a wounded giant, but it always has been, and the case for optimism is surprisingly strong. I'm going to read that. It does sound like something I would write. Yeah, it's yep. an optimistic take. Uh, reminds me of there's a there's a. Um, there's a book that's coming out that I've got to buy. Uh, I haven't bought it yet because it's too expensive right now, but it's called Building the Block, and it's basically uh, a history of how Congress has always been this dysfunctional. Yeah. yeah I mean, mm. it's like, yeah, that's kind of my perspective on things. All right, my second thing is a read. Um, it is in the Atlantic, Shock, our sponsor. Um, it is by Connor Friedersdorf. We know who he is. Uh, is public outrage hasn't improved policing. I'm just going to read a quick excerpt out of it. He said, it is now clear that Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter approach has largely failed. Despite an awareness-raising campaign as successful as any in my lifetime, untold millions of dollars in donations, and a position of influence within the progressive criminal justice reform coalition, there are just as many police killings as before Black Lives Matter began. I looked it up, and that's true. Politically, a powerful faction inside the movement sought to elect more radical progressives. Donald Trump and Joe Biden won the next presidential elections. That same faction sought to defund the police. Police budgets are now on, in general rising and defund is unpopular with majorities of every racial group. Whether or not you think these reforms should have prevailed, they did not. If impact matters more than intent, the criminal justice reform movement needs an alternative to Black Lives Matter that has better prospects for actually improving real lives. Today, almost every American is aware of police killings as an issue. Awareness has been raised, but the returns have diminished. And I, mm. and I, after I read it, I went, well, let me see if he's full of shit. And he's not. Everything he said was pretty on point. There are more police killings today than there were last year or the year before. Um, or in, and even more than 2018. Um, most municipalities, uh, municipal police forces and state police forces are, in fact, increasing their budgets rather than defunding or any kind of thing like that. The, the movement to have social workers is popping up in very in very limited, uh, but most almost like like I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put a percentage on it, but it's a big vast percentage of police departments have not. In fact, they've doubled down, and so uh, and I don't know what the fault of it is. And and what I liked about Connor's piece is he doesn't really say this is why, 
but he has some guesses and mostly he's just like yeah this hashtag activism didn't work the way we thought it was gonna and what are we gonna do now and it's it, I, I think it's something i mean i think you can also make the case for like oscar's so white you know i mean there mm. now there are less female directors employed than before oscar's so white and me too there are less black directors employed than there were before that hashtag so I don't know what that says, but I also think it says on some level that hashtag activism is less effective than actual activism. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I thought that was a really interesting article and made me think about a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm curious to see like 25 years from now, what history, how it plays out for history. The, the hashtag activism, like what kind of, think, if it will be along. Oh, go ahead. Well, just like if it, if it's because I think you know we we can look back on what we grew up with, like activism of the past, the civil rights movement, bus you know the, the Montgomery bus boycott, et cetera. I think that the George F Floyd protests will remain as like a moment, like this was a, a moment, this thing happened. It what did it do? I, we'll we'll see. But yeah, like that the hashtag stuff, I. I I'm just, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm excited no, I, for the next. I think, I think history I think five shows years us. Probably going to look very similar uh, to the way the, the hippie movement and the, and the, the free love and flower children, kind of that, that kind of movement. Yeah. I think it's going to look similar in an, in an, obviously in an angrier way, but I think it's going to look similar to your children say, mm -hmm. um, as that looks to us, which is to say, history repeat, repeats itself which we know it mostly does is that the activists of today the young 20 22 year old activists of today will become the corporate america of tomorrow because that's what happened to the hippies was that they became jerry rubin and they became the boomers and they elected wow. reagan twice yeah they yeah, but gen x is different well we're not part of that with gen x is not a part of any big mass protest what well, our big yeah, protest was blockbuster <laughs> that was our protest you know <laughs> i mean we we all bought we all had the we are the world tape that yeah we also something. bought swatch watches so it's just like it's you know, oh man i had swatch watches I, I did too and fossil watches we had those two yep yeah yep. And, yeah and vans but you know at least the hippie movement like we got good music out of that shit i mean we like, got good music out of the 80s no, but I mean, have we gotten good music out of the hashtag protests? Like, I guess we got like, this is America, Childish Gambino. Is that, I don't know. I mean, I think it depends on your perspective because the thing about it is, um, I, I would certainly make the argument that the music that came before 70s, 80s, 90s is vastly better than the music coming out now, but I'm not 20. And so maybe when they're my age, they will look back and they will look fondly upon the music of their youth the way I do my music. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's subjective. It's why it's why when I hear people talk about the Oscar nominations and they're like, "Oh, there's not enough women," and "Oh, there's not enough black people," and we don't care about Michelle Yao and all eleven Asian things because Asian are more white adjacent. You read all that stuff and you go, "This is a subjective thing." It's not like you can say, "Hey, let's vote for for black." I mean, to me, the big snub is nope. But I you know I didn't get asked to vote. You know, I mean. Well, it's, it's an I mean, active thing. You can't tell a group of artists that they've got to vote 
their conscience when they're really I, for somebody that's going to get a thing. I, I, I think what they're trying to point the spotlight on is the fact that just it, it doesn't go to just the movies that are completed or the works that are completed. There's just not as much opportunity for people of color or women early on, like starting off like with film school, you know, and, and yeah. so, uh, you know, um, and that is, and to be honest with you, if you look at the numbers, that is actually changing is that entry level for like right now, there's not as many women directors right now. There's not any black directors that are being represented in terms of Hollywood blockbusters, but you got also have to recognize the fact that for the last two years, two and a half years, there weren't a lot of ma- movies being made in the first place because of COVID. However, yeah. film school attendance, if you look, I mean, overwhelmingly, if you look at college film school attendance, directorial programs, screenwriting programs, women are killing the dudes. There are more women in there. Dudes are not doing that. And so they're really, so I think we're going to see the change that we're talking about maybe in 10 years. And that'd be cool. I think we've been, I think you're right. We've been seeing it. And I, for instance, you know, not to hijack this, but, um, but going to, you know, independent film, you know, uh, centers, which is, I mean, not to sound hoity-toity or, or douchebaggy, which it probably does, but I, <laughs> I prefer to go to kind of the independent, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, a grant-funded movie theaters, right? The we art houses. Film. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the art house films. And you do see a lot more. You see the huge influx of, you know, Iranian uh israeli women-led films that come through that people just don't know about you know and that's the problem with the oscars like i I pay no heed to that shit because it's all bullshit right well here's the thing this is the thing that i think is fascinating that you say that because one of the things i thought was really interesting about the oscar nominations and i haven't been really interested in the oscars for fucking a decade for some reason i'm i'm more interested in now but part of it is out of the 10 you know they did the 10 thing on one side you have Top Gun, Maverick, and Avatar, The Way of the Water. But on the other hand, you have Women Talking and After Sun, both grant-funded, independent films directed by women. And they're in that too. And I went, oh, what, what the thing about it is After Sun, if you haven't seen After Sun, it's fucking amazing. It's just heartbreaking and beautiful. And very independent and very experimental in a lot of ways. And it may be I, I warn you now, it will destroy your memories of the song under pressure. It will, it will, it, it will make. <laughs> Wait, is it the sun? No, it's called after sun. One word. Okay. And ba- basically, word. basically, it's 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 a it's a, it's a young, um, like a young, probably. I, I and they never define how old he is, but he's probably in his twenties. And his daughter having their very last sort of, uh, you know, and he's got a lot of problems. I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away, but it's really sort of like a series of snapshots of their last vacation together just before she becomes a teenager and, and kind of loses her father. And it is going to tear me apart. It is. Yeah. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Run right to that one. Seriously. You are going to weep. I did. And I don't have kids. You're going to weep like you're going to die. It is the most beautiful, <laughs> just desperately, achingly lovely film. Um, and the fact that in in that, like, 10 bullshit, like, let's do Oscars, that that movie is in there. And the guy who plays the, the, the father got nominated for Best Actor. 
tells me that they are paying attention to Hollywood in general, not like they're a monolith, but Hollywood in general is paying attention. And uh, I mean, you know, I mean, Michelle Yao is the first Asian American to, woman had to ever be nominated for an Oscar. So that's kind of a good, you know, that's definitely a good thing. It's moving in the right direction, just not maybe as fast as we'd like it. And I think you're right. I think those under, under funded and under promoted films, you know, I mean, you think about Nomadland and, uh, you know, she, she never had money. It was always both self-funded, but it, it jumped her career and then she yeah. made one of the worst Marvel movies ever made. So, you know, it's just whatever you get to do. <laughs> Which one was that? Eternals. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah, see, I keep forgetting that that steaming pile of crap is still stuck in the toilet, won't no, flush it's away. There. It's still there, <laughs> and I won't watch it again, and that's okay. It's not as, let's put it this way. Thor Love and Thunder is even worse than the Eternals. Yeah. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Did you say it that because, because I was it's texting with David about Thor, the, how much I love Thor, Love and Thunder? Oh, no, I've been saying how much I hated that movie since. I know. With, I hate that fucking movie. That I want to beat that movie. With I want that movie I burned. Fucking here's, here's why, <laughs> oh here's why it's worse than Eternals. Because Eternals was like, what's this thing? Oh, it's that. Uh, it's crap. Eh, whatever. Thor, Love and Thunder is bad because... It squandered so much opportunity with characters that had been built up that we love. Like we're invested in Thor's journey from God to self-loathing failure to his redemption, you know, and they just pissed it away. Now, Jed, we talked about this, like <laughs> the daughters, like there were moments when I cried, like the end was really touching and but they could have made like the the kid the daughter story with with Gore. Yep. If they had leaned into that, it would have been a better story. Hey, Instead I'll of just being like, "My daughter's dead," I'm going to be pissed, and I'm not going to show any of the horrible things I do. I think when TD came out with an HBO show that's been that was our flag is black. Our flag means death, which is excellent. Means, I thought, well, and I won't. I will not watch it because I saw Thor: Love and Thunder, and it pissed me off so bad. No, no you got to watch our flag is death. Not going to watch it because Thor: no. Love. As long as Thor Love and Thunder still has that aftertaste in the back of my fucking throat, I can't watch anything from that guy. It just no, come on. Have you seen Hunt for the Wilder People? No. You, you got to see that. He's a dude. Come on. Don't. You no, know, he. I got to get, like I said, I got to get the Thor aftertaste out of my mouth and then I'll go back and watch all his shit because I do. Our Flag uh, Means Death is one of the best shows on that HBO I has right now. Watch it until I can get over the fact that I, that I thought he butchered. Uh, uh, a Marvel movie, like, okay. it, like really made it, made fun of it, just made fun of me. And I don't like, you know, and I don't mm. like being made fun of by people that know me. But don't fucking make fun of me when you don't know me, you fucking kiwi cunt. Jesus. <laughs> that's fair. But that's, Where are we at? Who's, who's up? Is wait, it? Wait, did, doesn't. Oh, no, Jed has one more. One, you get your third. You get your. My your, mind is swirling now. I, I was going <laughs> to. Uh, I. I yeah, I I was gonna say David Crosby. Go listen to some some David Crosby and some Birds and some CSNY. You know, and uh, that's what RIP. I said last week. It's a good, it's a good recommendation. Okay, good. So you took that one. All right, and uh, still, so it's I a guess good recommendation. I'll, I'll follow up though with uh, something I was emailing with Don about a while ago, and that is Christoph Kislowski's Three Colors trilogy. 
Um, they kind of kickstarted the '90s art house movement in the United States, at least. Yeah. And is uh, they showed them all back to back, or and you could see them uh, throughout the week in succession at the, at the place that I referenced earlier. You know, my douchebag art house uh, uh, cinema. Uh, which is excellent though. And um, it, it's, it's a great super, cappuccinos there. Super cool place. They got a bar, they got, you know, cool snacks, comfortable seats. I love it. But anyway, I, I watched all those throughout the week um, a couple months ago and, and they're just, they're, they're a Marvel, you know, um, and blue, the first one, and you should watch them in succession. They, they go, they have a certain yeah, there, uh, there's succession. A, there's a rhythm in it and an arc. Picker. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, blue. So you watch in blue, white and red and they're all connected, uh, but they're all very different. Um, they stand for the three colors of the, the French flag, egalite, fraternite, whatever the last one is. What is it? <laughs> Shit. Uh, egalite, fraternite and something else. But um, anyway, Juliette Binoche, you know, I mean, you've yeah. never seen, I mean, she's, everything about it and, and blue in particular uh, really, I don't know if it reminded me Don of what you're going through, but just it's, it's filled with immense tragedy and, and how somebody just basically copes with it, you know, and goes through different stages of grief and maybe denial and, and uh, just trying to recover from that. And it is, it, it's, it's, um, I, I think I cried bald like through 75% of that movie. Oh, it's God. like emotionally yeah. really, it's tough. It's not something that you want to watch a lot, you know, but yeah. it's an experience. <laughs> it's an experience that I think everybody should have. And it's, um, it's a beautiful trilogy. I think that's a great recommendation because I, I, I completely, well, it was funny because when you emailed me that I did uh, watch it again. Um, not all three, just blue. But mm -hmm. the thing about it is you have to realize that, at that time, I was in my apartment in Las Vegas, hiding from my ex-wife, drinking a lot of rye. And what we've discovered, or at least I've discovered, is that rye whiskey uh, will make me cry watching fucking CSI Las Vegas. It doesn't matter what it is. I could be watching a fucking car commercial. If I'm drinking enough rye, it's just like, ooh. And so I watched Blue, and it took me probably three hours to watch it because I had to keep stopping it because I couldn't stop weeping. So I was just like, what are those? Yeah. What are those? Yeah, it's good. And, yeah. and, and you know, sorry, you did, real quick. You just watch them all yeah. through. They're, the The middle one, white, is 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 a lot lighter, and then red is just um, amazing. It's amazing, and uh, and not only just from the the kind of the singular viewing emotional aspect of it, but it really you see everything after that because these were in the early '90s, I think, um, maybe 1990, and uh, and you see all these art house films that come after that, like Richard Linklater. Oh, is a great debt to Christoph Kozlowski, right? Like so many people, and you just see how that kickstarted. So it's hugely influential too, as far as filmmaking goes. And I think that's really cool. So that's a great, that's a great, great suggestion. The, yeah. the three words you're looking for, James, are liberté, égalité, fraternité. It means thank you, liberty, equality, fraternity. Yeah. Thank you, Google. And those Delta are the themes noon. running through each. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that is I the just... show. Thank you, Jeff, for joining us. It was fun. Thank you, guys. Love you both. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And I think the next time that I have a, 
a Holocaust moment with my kid, I'll, I'll put him on pause, throw him a comic book, and then call you guys and be like, all right, uh, uh, help. He, he's asking why FDR's legs didn't work. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and then you say, and then you say, he's like Professor X and walk away and it works. Or Ricky Bobby. Or Ricky Bobby, but we got to stick with the Marvel thing. If it's, I mean, if it's reasonable. Oh, right, right, right. Bobby Stephen later. Hawking? Yeah, he's not going to know Stephen Hawking. That guy was depressing anyway. Was he? Oh, God. Everything he said was, oh, it's everything's bad. <laughs> the world, well, the oh, world is Everything is bad. <laughs> you can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to two white guys holding court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. What the fuck?